This episode of the Flush Podcast is brought to you by Walton's, Aluma Trailers, Sound Gear, Onyx Hunt, and by Nutrisource Pet Foods. Today, I'm back in school, joined by a friend of mine named Wayne Trapp. Wayne is a bird hunter, dedicated Pheasants Forever member, and a school teacher that has found a way to lead thousands, yes, thousands of kids into the outdoor world. Welcome to another episode of the Flush Podcast. I'm Travis Frank. I'm your host, Brandon Morton. I don't know. He's maybe taking a nap. He's he. I said I was going back to school today, and he said I'm not going back to school. I've graduated. I am done. I'm just kidding, Brandon. You can insert any kind of uh, button bar sound you want there. Whoa, 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 whoa. First off, thanks very much for assuming that I graduated. Second, yeah, I would have skipped as soon as I heard school. Uh, but no, I am... Back in school. I am back at, I can't say I'm back in my high school because when I graduated from this school, Wayne, Mm -hmm. this building didn't exist. Along with a whole lot of stuff that we're going to dig into today that didn't exist that I'm so jealous about because (laughs) I would have loved to have been a part of a lot that you have accomplished and that you are doing. Uh, Wayne Trapp is my guest today. Wayne, I appreciate you taking some time. You just uh, you just did a road trip from Minnesota to Colorado <laughs> and back in three days. And I know you told me before we started uh, that you were giving your dad a ride. So good for you. But what did you see as a hunter? I'm sure your your eyes were looking out. You know, what did you see? What was the landscape looking like? Um, you know, I know we got some moisture lately. We finally got some moisture in some of those really dry parts of the Dakotas and Nebraska. And, you know, so we're feeling good, right? We're feeling optimistic, but anything jump out to you on your trip? Well, I mean, it was, when I left on uh, Friday, it was, it was still pretty dry and not that green here. And then as I kind of went South, uh, crossed 90, honestly, and uh, went into Iowa, it started to green up. um, And um, as I went across Nebraska and um, into Colorado and stuff, it was, it was a lot more green than it was around here. It was, it was pretty surprising that, that trip across Nebraska is a, it's a long ways. Like it's a long ways. Honestly, did you take the Northern, uh, Northern third of Nebraska when you drove through? I just, I just ran across on I-80. Okay. uh, So it's flat the whole way. Yeah. it's it's Next time take the Northern part of Nebraska because a lot of people don't realize how beautiful it is. Yeah. I've, I've gone across that way. Um, Chimney Rock up there. Yeah. Doesn't seem like it belongs. It doesn't. No, right. The sand hills are spectacular. You don't like, how did you get here? Yeah. What are you doing here? How come nobody knows you exist? I, I think Wyoming it's going to annex that at some point. Like yeah. they're going to they're going to be like, "No, no, this belongs in Wyoming. Nebraska, yeah. you get you get the flat farmland." You farm go land. back to your so, normal flat ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, that's beautiful country up it, there. It really is. Sure. It really and is. It was cool on the way back. Um we were crossing Nebraska kind of at that little before dusk um time and just the deer going out into that new green uh grass and just I mean one after another yeah. out there. So it was, it was they look so shaggy. They almost look mangy this time <laughs> yes. of the year. They're losing yeah. that winter jacket. Yeah. 
The so. deer herd in northern Minnesota is still waist deep in snow, which is crazy. Oh. You know, I'm talking, I talked with uh, Minnesota DNR biologist Bailey Peterson. Uh, we we're trying to film a wood, ba- a woodcock banding story for one of our other TV shows, Minnesota Bound. And she's like, we're, you know, every day that you get a little rain down there, it's snow here. It just keeps adding. We just cannot win. So they're still knee deep in snow in the northern third of Minnesota. Um, but uh, I just talked with another buddy of mine out in northwest North Dakota, right on my way over here to talk to you. Uh, they got hammered with snow after snow after snow, three snowstorms, uh, which helps out the drought. But the the worry, you know, I keep Tyler Webster uh, mm-hmm. is, is my buddy's name. And so uh, Tyler's been on this podcast a few times. He has mm-hmm. Birds, Booze, and Buds podcast as well. And so he and I are buddies and we chat all the time. And he was just down in the dumps with that first mm-hmm. snowstorm because he was worried that the, it was so much snow and the blizzard and just like it was so extreme that they thought, yeah, we need the moisture, but not to the extent that it's going to kill all the birds that we have right now. So I talked to him today and you could tell you a lot of pep in his step because he was feeling really optimistic. He talked to a lot of farmers, all the pheasants that they thought they might have lost are good. The ponds Hmm. are full. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, I mean, that the drought was a serious issue. Uh, Another friend of mine texted me over the weekend, uh, Darwin, and he he said they got three inches of rain on his property in South Dakota, and they've been just desperate for rain. That was this past weekend. So, hey, a lot of positivity. A lot yeah. of positivity. So, Wayne, I don't know if you listened to the show maybe a month ago. Mm-hmm. I I talked about you in the middle of our conversation. Oh, okay. You missed that one? Okay. I missed it. Yeah. yeah don't, well, don't hold it against me. I'm not going to. But the reason I brought it up, and Brandon and I said we had a in-show production meeting, uh, I said, put Wayne Trapp on the list because I had a guest, Brett Wanicott was his name. He's a dog trainer, field trialer, author, bird hunter out in Utah. And he, um, he, 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 tra- not trains, but he has a passion for helping kids And so he goes to FFA meetings, goes into the school, and he brings his dogs with him. And he shows them a dog on point. He plants birds. He brings them out into the field. He shows the training. He he teaches them, brings them out on hunts. And he just talked about how um, a lot of those kids might be anti-hunters or don't know anything about hunting or have no experience with hunting. And when he's, when he leaves, they're full of questions. Like it triggers something. It plants a seed, as I always like to say, and it gets them thinking. And the dog aspect of it, um, is just, is new to so many of them in the hunting dog. So when they see one of his Irish setters lock up on point, they're all like, whoa, that's awesome. And it really is cool that he takes the time to do that. But I, I instantly said, I want to talk with you, Wayne, because, as I mentioned at the start of the show, you have found a way to lead thousands of kids into the outdoor world. That's something that I, I think, just sit on that, like thousands of kids that you've affected their life. And that's powerful. It's amazing. Uh, I'm just kind of overwhelmed with the whole volunteer idea right now. This last weekend, I had the opportunity, I was invited to MC the Waconia Lions mm-hmm. Wild Game Dinner. Mm-hmm. And this is something that's been going on for 40 years. 40 years they've been hosting this Wild Game Dinner, and it's grown into this huge 
event in our community. Um, they found a new place to host it this year because the old building that they used to host it is not available anymore. Uh, but anyway, so they fed about 700 people that came out to have wild game. And I know this happens around the country, but I'm sitting in this room and I talked to one of the name, one of the gentlemen, Ron Moctimus. And, mm-hmm. and I said, hi, Ron, or hey, Mac, good to see you. And, and I said, how long have you been doing this? And he goes, well, 40 years. And I said, why did you start? And he said, well, we just had a really good hunting trip one year. We went out west. We were out in Wyoming. I think he said it was Wyoming. And they, um, they brought back more game than they were going to be able to eat. And he said, let's have a fundraiser. Let's have a wild game dinner. That was 40 years ago. And it, it was a, enough of a success that they did it the next year and the next year. Ron is the only original member of the Lions Club that was a part of that. And so when he told me that story, the first thing I did when I got to go up on stage after the band finished playing to start the whole, you know, all the raffles and everything, was I said, I, before we start, I want to bring Ron up here. Ron, would you come up? And I told that story. And he got, you know, like a standing ovation from everybody because here's, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people and all the money raised is by volunteers. Mm-hmm. Ron's been volunteering all the other Lions members volunteering and all the money is going right back to other kids. I see it, you know, in things that they buy that my kids will use someday. And I just think to myself, oh gosh, what would we do without people that don't have the heart to volunteer? And it's just so like, I'm just overtaken by it because prior to this story, Two days earlier, I, I was filming another uh, television show for Minnesota Bound, one of our other TV shows, and the story was about three people, and they teach firearm safety training, mm-hmm. and um, one of them, this was his 49th year, Wow, 49 huh. years he has not missed one year, but that's not it. The other guy that got him started, this is his 58th year teaching. Jeez. And his wife has been teaching for 50. So the three of them have a combined 150, what are we talking? 157 years and thousands of kids that they, and they have influenced, they've taught them how to uh, safely handle a gun. Mm-hmm. You know, so we followed them for a day. It was a field day. But you could just see, you know, how much they care about it. And the kids, and also a couple of parents, moms that were out there too. Um, I would say three out of every four kids was a, was a young girl. I loved it, loved it, or maybe two-thirds. Um, and I asked each one of them, why do you do it? And they said, well, I want to have a way to give back. Hmm. You know, and so 58 years of giving back. It's impressive. It's impressive. Wayne, you volunteer so much of your time. And I could have interviewed probably several of them. um, But I've had you on my list to interview. And I just I just hope people appreciate what you do. Maybe it inspires them to say, you know what? I, I have a couple of hours of my time. I can do something to give back in some way. So let's start with this. We're sitting in a classroom. There's pheasant feathers over your left shoulder. There's a deer rack right above your head. There's a sharp-tailed grouse behind me, a goose on the wall, a turkey fan, grouse feathers, grouse, grouse fans over yeah. on that side there. Um, Wayne, how long have you been a teacher, and, and what do you teach? 
Uh, well, so I've been uh, teaching for 21 years, uh, 19 of them here in Waconia. Uh, I'm a high school biology teacher, and it's I get I spend about half my time teaching a general 10th grade biology. It's kind of the required bio, biology in the high school for all of our high school kids. Talk genetics, parts of the cell, um, some ecology and stuff in there too. Body systems like your circulatory, respiratory system, that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, just kind of a general biology. 10th grade is just a really fun time um, for high school kids. It's, They're not it's a, a pain in the butt. A, well, I mean, for, for the most part. <laughs> okay. no, I'm pretty lucky. I've got yeah. really great kids. But I mean everybody's got a little challenge here and there in their sure. lives. So, um, Guilty right here, too. Yeah, Guilty right here. I, I, I can't say I haven't been a pain in somebody's butt before, too. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, it's uh, it's a cool cool time in kids' lives. They're they're getting their license. They're getting some independence. Uh, you know, they're, they're kind of real people again. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like those middle school years kind of get a little gangly and a little weird. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so have you always taught high schoolers? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Good so back uh, long ago, I had middle school for just a couple years. But uh, but yeah, this is, this is a better place. Sure. So um, that's half of your that's time. That's half my time. And then the other half of my time, um, I teach these outdoor classes, kind of ecology classes. It's uh, I've got a winter biology and a fish and wildlife biology. And um, in the winter biology, we talk a little bit about how plants and animals survive um, the winter. We do a little like survival skills, some tracking, um, that kind of stuff. Uh, and then the fish and wildlife, we go through a lot of the fish and wildlife of Minnesota. We have the kids do identification stuff where I think our last test, they had 85-ish birds that they had to know wow. um, that they that we identified. We go outside and um, do a, a bird journal. Uh, you know, there's there's your pheasant hunters and your duck hunters, and mm-hmm. those guys always do really well with like um, with like the identification. Um, but uh, but it's those kids that aren't that that, that want to learn it, yeah. that are really curious about it. That you see just tremendous growth. Is this an elective guys. class? Yes, I'd like to make it required. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I would it'd like be, for you to do it'd that. It'd be great yeah. if that's how I spent my entire uh, school day was just teaching those. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's elective. Um, next year I have. Uh, well, it's about half of my time. Um, I've got three fish and wildlife classes and three winter bio classes. And so that's six. And I think I teach eight of the 10th grade class. And how long has this been an option for kids? Because I, you you said 21 years. So right when I graduated, you were starting here. And, yeah. and this wasn't an option for me back then. Yeah. Well, I took over for a guy who had um, just, just started it. And, um, so since I've been here, um, uh, we've been doing it. Um, it, it, it fluctuates. It kind of depends a little bit on like on how many classes I have. Mm-hmm. Um, some years it's like I have a high amount of juniors. Well then when those guys cycle up to seniors, then, then the numbers are down a little bit. Cause but, they can't take it twice. Yeah. <laughs> well, probably want to. <laughs> they ask. They do. <laughs> oh, I would imagine but, it's a fun class. Oh yeah. No, it's great. Like with the fish and wildlife, we'll go out canoeing and, um, and do some water quality sampling and stuff like that, and then go fishing. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the highlights this year, we took a group over to one of the public docks in the fall, and uh, boy, we just drilled the little sunfish. A yeah. lot of these kids have never 
caught a fish before. Isn't that crazy to you? Yeah, yeah especially living in a town where With, we have a lake we, right here. We're in Minnesota. Yeah. We're surrounded by lakes, yeah. Right? Well, yeah. so that's not your volunteer work, though. No. No. So this is only part of what you do. <laughs> so you get to teach kids, and, mm-hmm. and you get paid for it, which is awesome. Yes. Uh, yeah, you know, and there's job. animals in this room, which I love. There's a mm-hmm. fishing pole hanging there, canoe paddle. Gosh, I could list off all kinds of stuff here around me. Yeah. But... Um, there's something on the on your door when you walk in, and there's there there's two slots I noticed when I walked in, and it's for the conservation club. You know, there's like permission slips, mm-hmm. and I don't know what you, I don't remember what the other one was, but you, you you were a major part of of launching the conservation club that has been going on in this school, and now kind of it's becoming a, a popular thing. But what is the conservation club? Well, it's this outdoorsy club that uh, a group of parents and students um, and then myself started uh, 15 years ago now. Um, And uh, we started off with about, I think, 10, 15 kids or so in it. And I still remember the very first meeting. Uh, We were at the local uh, pizza place and just sitting around with a bunch of kids and just kind of hammering out some different things that they wanted to do. What did they want to do? Well, I tell you, this is one of the neat stories. A lot of people will ask me as a teacher, what do you think? What do you think? Is this next generation? Are they going to be any good? Are we going to be okay as a country and that kind of stuff? Um, And I say, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, It's one of the cool things that I get to see with these youth time and time again. Um, That winter, so this this started in the spring. Uh, That winter, there was one of these kids' classmates that uh, was coming home from ice fishing and uh, uh, had a car accident and, and passed away. Uh, the first thing, and this this wasn't me, this wasn't any of the parents. Um, the first thing that these kids wanted to do with this club was to adopt the highway that their friend had passed away on, um, and I, and that speaks to these kids, like getting them out to do service projects and habitat restoration and things like that. It's it's not hard. They want to give back. They're excited um, about it. They're excited about it. And they take joy and pride in that. And so that's that's pretty cool. So anyway, yeah, we take kids out hunting and fishing and camping and, um, I don't know, uh, habitat restoration. We go up to the Boundary Waters. We're taking a superior hiking trail trip this summer. We've been out to Glacier. Uh, you know, all those things that you're like, oh, that'd be fun to do. That, <laughs> we just do it. <laughs> so. And it's like, that's what I said. <clears throat> you've, you've influenced thousands of kids because it started out as 10, but yeah. I remember probably 10 years ago, I came to one of your morning meetings. They come to school before school <laughs> begins to go through the morning meetings. They run the class. Yeah, it's, it's impressive. But you're talking hundreds of kids that are excited about this. You know, and I just think we didn't have that. The closest thing I had to that Growing up was FFA. Sure. Yep. You know, because we got to do outdoor stuff. So I, heck yeah, raised my hand. I'm in FFA, you know, and there was a wildlife identification was one of the tests mm-hmm. you could take. So I did that and I made state in FFA. Oh. So I got to go to the state convention. Um, but that's as close as we came. Now there's a trap league. Now mm-hmm. there's a conservation club. Um, explain how, explain how the conservation club actually works. Well, like I said, it's very student-led. Um, um, we get together in the summer, and we'll ask the kids, hey, what do you want to do? And they'll put together a list of like activities. We always say, well, here's what we did in the past. 
Um, would you like to do some of those things again? And then we try and work with like their schedules, whether it's hockey or, you know, dance or band or something like that, that a lot of the officers. Yeah, you say dance because one thing that I think is probably going to surprise most people is it's, it probably skews heavier female. Yeah. I I would, I would go 60, 40. It's pretty close to 50, 50, but yeah, yeah. It's maybe 60, 40 female to male. Right. Um, That are in the conservation club. In the conservation club. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's a it's a real even balance of male female, um, and yeah, we 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 get everybody in there. We get everybody from the kid that that's their only thing that they do. Like this is what their activity is. This is their group of kids that they hang out with. This is like their pack, their crew mm-hmm. that they run with. Or you get the kid that's like in every sport, a homecoming candidate, and yeah. you know everybody is like just all on the equal basis. They're all just kind of hanging out, camping together or going hunting or ice fishing or whatever, you know? So it's, it's pretty fun. Waltons. What can I say? They are the ultimate online store for everything you need to prepare and cook your meat from wild game to pork and beef. They've got you covered. Their tagline is everything but the meat for a reason. A few weeks ago, they launched a new website to make your online shopping experience even easier. Waltons.com has over 5,000 items on their site in stock and ready to ship the same day. I went to their site the other day to purchase jerky seasoning for my son's big old gobbler. I found the seasoning I wanted, plus barbecue sauce, a new thermometer, steak seasonings, gloves, and a handful of other items. There's so much to choose from. It's just incredible. From grinders, mixers, stuffers, slicers, smokers, vacuum sealers, seasonings, and so much more. They also host their own podcast called Meat Gistics and host live stream videos and chats to help you make the most of your cooking experience. Check them out at waltons.com. The Onyx Hunt app is one of the most valuable hunting tools that I take into the field every day. I talk about the Onyx Hunt app every week. That's simply because I use it on every hunt. Seriously, every hunt. Their app tells me everything that I need to know about the land that I want to hunt and the lands that we can all legally hunt on. If you've used it yourself, then you know that the Onyx app shows your location on planet Earth and clearly lays out the land boundaries. It also tells you information about the type of property you're on, like state-owned land, federal lands, and walk-in access properties. It's ideal for scouting before the hunt and during a hunt to help put together patterns. The app also has helpful features that show you the kind of crops that are in the fields, which obviously is a big deal for us upland bird hunters. These are just a few of the many tools Onyx Maps give you, and these maps can even be used in areas without cell coverage. From the palm of your hand, Onyx Maps always help you to know where you stand. And they, they so this, the service projects are part of it, but also mm-hmm. the experience. I mean, how would you describe it if you were, if, if a parent says, hey, my kid came home and said they want to be a part of this conservation club. Can you tell me more about it or why they should be in it? What would you tell them? Well, um, we always go back to, um, again, kid, kid led, uh, Ben Bredigan, uh, back at that meeting at the pizza shop. He, yeah. uh, um, it's funny cause I've had he, Ben on this show yeah. multiple times. <laughs> yep. Yeah. He's a character. He's a good guy. Yeah. Um, former student of mine. And he, uh, he was kind of one of the, the leaders of the conservation club early as a student. And we asked the kids, what do we want to do? What do, what do we want this club to be? And he came up with a motto of explore, expand, and protect our natural resources. Um, and so then when somebody asked me, like, as a parent or as a, like a student or, I don't know, somebody off the street, they're like, what does that club do? Well, mm-hmm. that's, that's what we do. Um, we go out and explore our natural resources, whether it be that we're ice fishing or we're going hiking somewhere or, 
uh, I don't know, then also we're going to do the um, protect our natural resources by doing some habitat restoration. Uh, last fall, last fall, last spring, I'm not sure, we went out to the island, uh, Coney Island on Lake Waconia, mm -hmm. and transplanted some lilies that, I, I don't know, were part of some person's garden there back in like the 1950s or something like that. Well, all the trees had grown up um, over these lilies, and so they hadn't bloomed for, I don't know, probably 30, 40 years or something like that. So we transplanted a bunch of these lilies onto this hillside that was kind of having some erosion problems. was a south-facing hillside. And so those lilies, will, once they get their roots established again, will probably bloom again for the first time in yeah. whatever, 50 years kind of thing. So it's one of those things that the kids get a chance to give back, but you know, five years down the road, 10 years down the road, they can come back to those things and say, look what I did. Mm -hmm. And and it's cool. It's it's really neat what they did. Well, so. you make the outdoors cool. Oh, and fun. the other kids make the outdoors cool because mm -hmm. they're so inviting. They yeah. get to go pheasant hunting. Yeah. <laughs> you guys yeah. go pheasant hunting. <laughs> how yeah. does that experience go with a bunch of kids? And how many do you take? Well, let's just say, let's take that step back. How many kids are in the club right now, or what's like an average? Well, we have we started off, like I said, with like 15-ish kids or so. And then uh, when we peaked out, it was probably around 300. Um, 300 uh, kids are in the club? <laughs> not, How do you not, handle that? Not currently. It was poorly. <laughs> I'm going to be you honest. It was, uh, it was hard. It's, uh, you know, wrangling cats kind of thing. Um, yeah. And so it it's, uh, um, but we, uh, I remember we took a fall camp out. Um, when we were at that kind of peak and we had, uh, it was well over a hundred kids that were at that camp out. And I, I bet you had 20, 25 chaperones there, but I, it, that was tough. That was tough to keep track of the kids. Yeah. Everybody got out of there. Nobody drowned. Nobody, <laughs> nobody <laughs> broke an arm or a leg or something <laughs> like that. Um, so yeah, it was good. But now we, we, uh, COVID kind of hit us. I think it hit a lot of the kind of clubs in the, um, and the activities in school, extracurricular, um, yeah, things extracurricular kind of went down, um, went down a little bit. Um, we'll see, probably hundred and twenty-ish kids will do something with the club this year. Okay, so whether it be they come pheasant hunting or do a, the um, the lake cleanup or ice fishing or maybe they do the road. Uh, ditch cleanup or, you mm -hmm. know, all the other activities that we do. But so let's, because we like to talk upland bird hunting, let's, mm. let's take that one particular outing and yep. kind of break it down. What, so on average, how many kids go pheasant hunting when you take them out? Well, we, we bring them out in shifts. Uh, Pheasants Forever has a new rule that you have to have a maximum of two kids and um, per shift out there. And so we go out to um, Wings of Watertown and They've got it's a hunting preserve, and they've got a bunch of different fields. And so we'll spread the kids out. Uh, they'll go with somebody that's got a dog, and then they'll also be with either a parent or another person to just kind of help manage the kids to make sure that everybody's safe. Um, and it, it's worked out great. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've seen somebody shoot their first bird. Yeah. Um, and and it's such a neat experience to see that and see the joy. Um, I also think those times when a kid shoots and misses and then they look around and everybody's maybe giving them a hard time and yeah. then they're, but they're all laughing at it and having a good time. Um, before Pheasants Forever dropped the, the number down to two per like hunt, we'd have, and, and I'd have a bunch of chaperones with, we'd yep. have probably eight kids in a group 
And every once in a while, a bird would fly across all eight. And it just kept wham, going. Wham, 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 keep going. That <laughs> <laughs> sounds like hunting with my buddies. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and that's, I tell you, that's just as much fun. Yeah. I mean, the kids just eat it up. They just love it. Um, it's that outdoor time. Like you said, watching the dog. So many of them don't have a dog. Um, and so then they can, they can watch a good dog work. I'll get great volunteers that will come and bring their dogs out and help out. And, um, yeah, and it's a it's a really neat partnership with Pheasants Forever. It's actually a Pheasants Forever event. Okay. Um, and then they invite um, our high school conservation club to it. Gotcha. Um, so, yeah, and it works out fantastic. Well, I think it's important to, to talk about these activities because it's not like this is a state-mandated course or it's not something that can't be replicated. It's probably the biggest thing. This can be replicated anywhere in our country. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. I think one of the things that worked out well for us that, that brought success for our group was we started small. You, you didn't have to go, like right now we go pheasant hunting and we go ice fishing and we go camping in the fall and we do a summer trip and we do all these service projects and stuff. The first year we adopted that highway and your former teacher, Dave Ailing, yeah. um, who was a very avid hunter, uh, brought his pup, it was his first um, short hair pup, out. Um, and we had a couple pigeons and worked on pointing with it in that summer. And then we did like a, a little county park activity that they had set for us. Three really easy things. Simple. Simple. And we did them and we did them well. Um, and then we built on that. How do you know that something is going well? What are the kids, are, what are they telling you? What are you seeing to know that there's, there's something happening here? Well, you get them outside and it's going to, it's going well. Like if you are, if yeah. you, it, you've been outdoors, like a, a bad day of fishing is a better than a good day of work, right? right. It, it's the same thing for these kids. Like you They're not it just doesn't. doing it to get out of school because this isn't actually right. during school time. Yeah. So the original thought saying, well, yeah, they're doing it so they don't have to sit in yeah. science class. Yeah. That's not necessarily true because they're doing it after school hours. Yeah, yeah. And they, they crave it. They crave the outdoors. I mean, your audience here is outdoorsy people and stuff, and we all value that time. Yeah. These kids, if you just get them out there, they love it. They love it. And it doesn't matter if it's picking up trash out of the ditch or if it's like just last week we took a bunch of um, high school kids and they helped to lead um, a bunch of our fourth graders through the woods um, and showed them a bunch of like different kind of neat educational things about the um, the forest like it doesn't matter if they're picking up trash or they're teaching somebody else about something or if they're ice fishing or what you just get outside yeah like you think about when you were a kid and you were sitting in a classroom I was staring out the window. Yeah, everywhere. Yeah. Yes, yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> if, if the the hands-on learning. Oh, yeah. That, the stuff that happens. So before we came into this classroom, you took me on this little nature walk, and yeah. you, you've got like so my my one of my boys and my daughter play soccer here <clears throat> on the field right next to this building, and we pulled up for the first day of soccer. They had pictures and stuff, and uh, Lydia goes. 
there's two pheasants over there, Dad. <laughs> I go, what? And I was trying to wrangle one of the other kids. And Wes, he goes, two roosters. Yeah. And I go, where were they? He goes, they just flew past that pine tree there. How many yeah. pheasants do you have on school grounds? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you can't hunt on school grounds. I know, Travis, I know, so. but I'm just, we didn't even, have pheasants on school can, grounds when I went here. You can't even bring a stick out there if your dog's on point and <laughs> tap them on the head. I know you want to. All right, all right, fair enough. But... Uh, um, I would guess, yeah, I'd guess probably around a dozen or so. There's a little nature area that's uh, that's out there. It's it's honestly just a holding pond. Um, and when they were don't doing, talk it down like this. No, no, you yeah, just told me all the stuff you have taken these kids out to plant oh, trees. Oh, right, and, yeah. yeah, no, it's uh, it's a neat area. So it started off as just kind of a holding pond. And this is again one of those things that anyone can do this. Yeah. Um, this they started to do additions onto this uh, these buildings. And so they had to expand this holding pond. And so we lost some grassland that was out there. And I was like, well, we don't want to lose it all. So I planted some trees. Mm-hmm. And uh, I shouldn't say I planted trees. I got a bunch of trees from the DNR. The DNR has got a, um, a really neat little program that they'll give trees to schools to put them on to, I don't know, their property and build a forest. And a few years ago, um, when, I don't know, you know some of these kids, Eric and uh, Ben and... Yeah. I don't know, a bunch of these guys um, went out there and I just ordered, I don't even know, a thousand trees or something like that and brought conservation club kids out there. Well, they're just all little uh, seedlings, you know, so they're about the size of your hand. And then you just- But that goes back to the whole season of, you know, like the Mm -hmm. time, you know, like look where it is now. Yeah. Like, and I knew, I was like, I like this place. I I know I'm going to be here a while. Let's plant some trees so we can see this in Mm -hmm. 10, 15 years and now- I mean, they're big, and it's 15 pheasants, and there's coyotes in there. and I saw um, some deer tracks in there. some deer tracks, and what was it, mergansers or goldeneye? What, what, uh, what there, were, there were some herd of mergansers. There were, I believe— uh, Bufflehead, yeah. Bufflehead. Yeah, right. There was, uh, gosh, there was a variety of birds, probably a half a dozen different waterfall was, species there. And you've got wood duck houses put up. There's mm-hmm. grass. You know, there's cattails. There's yeah. al- also grass. Yeah. It's legit habitat. You yeah. have built a legit— Habitat <laughs> on school grounds, yeah, and yeah. now you get to take your class out there and yeah. and let them partake in it. Yeah. Just think if you didn't plant that, why? Well, what would you? I mean, all those we hey, guys, have, we're going to go outside today for class. Yeah, we're going to sit on the on the soccer field and yeah. look at the worms. I don't know what grows in soccer fields. Not much. No, you know? no, exactly. little kids, soccer players, soccer players grow there. Yes. But you know, which and is that's great fun too. Yeah, yes. that's awesome. But it's nice to have a variety, mm-hmm. um, and it's a great way to introduce these kids to that kind of stuff so what has been over the over the <laughs> I, I, too many kids for you to, to count but there has to be some stories that stand out to you or experiences where kids something changed for them because they've been given this opportunity that they maybe never would have had if this didn't exist do any any stories stand out to you well, there's the ones that caused me to tear up, and I can't tell those because this thing will get too long because I'll sit here just quiet. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there's a bunch of neat stories Well, like tell that. one of them. <laughs> um, oh, God. All right. Well, let's see if we can get through this. Okay. Um, ice fishing. So we take a bunch of kids out ice fishing, and we um, go out on the local lake, Lake Waconia, and we just have kids meet out there. The, the bait shop in town, in town marina, always donates are bait for it. And again, that's, if you want to take kids in the outdoors, people want to help you. They really do. Like I, I don't ever have trouble getting donations, whether it be cash time for people or, um, bait or things like that. It's, 
people want to help that. So anyway, we're, we go out ice fishing. Um, we're taking the club out. It's on a Saturday afternoon, um, and I think there's probably 30, 40 kids that are out there. Um, when they come out to the event, we've already got it kind of scouted out where there's some fish. And it's usually small panfish, so everybody can kind of catch something. And um, some kids drive themselves out onto the lake, and sometimes parents drop them off and stuff. And this uh, dad pulls up with his daughter and two of her friends in his truck, and uh, they all get out, and they're all pretty excited. They're ninth, 10th graders or something like that. And uh, um, he pulls out their flip-over fish house, and I, I come over to see if he needs any help or anything. And no, 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 we got it. So he and his daughter and her friends start setting it up and stuff, and I go to, like, whoever else is showing up and kind of help them. And then as the event gets going, they're fishing and stuff, and I go from house to house to house just checking in to see if they need bait or help untangling lines or, you know, whatever kids need for yeah. help with ice fishing. Well, I come over to this house, and it's a little pop-up. It's like a two-man pop-up kind of thing. And these three girls have like their music just blaring in there and they're just dancing. Like it's like a, it's like a little, little dance party inside there. I, there wasn't a disco ball, but I feel like there should have been. There's not a line in, but I mean, like you can tell that the holes are drilled. They've put the Vexlar down. The yeah. poles are all rigged up and everything. They weren't but, biting so they thought no. they'd amuse themselves. <laughs> but they're having just a great time. And so then uh, I'm like, well, good, good. You're doing the thing. Um, and so then I go to the next house and keep moving and stuff. And I come back a couple times and it's kind of the same show and they're just having a blast. Um, the end of the event happens and the, or comes and uh, the dad shows back up again and um, they're loading the stuff up into the back of the truck and stuff. Uh, and he says, thank you. Thank you so much for putting this together. And uh, he reaches his hand out and uh, I shake his hand and he puts it in a pretty good vice. He says, and I, he says, thank you a bunch. And I said, oh, yeah, no problem. It's, you know, this is just kind of fun. I like it, too. I get a fish and hang out and see kids catch stuff. And, um, and he goes, no, really. He goes, um, last night, my daughter asked me to help her get the fishing stuff out. Well, of course, high school kids, they don't ask you stuff five days in advance or something. It's like an hour yeah. at a time. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, he... Uh, he says, my daughter comes up to me and, he, and asks me, can you get the, help me get the ice fishing stuff out because we're going ice fishing with the conservation club tomorrow. And he goes, we went up into the rafters of the garage and pulled down all the ice fishing gear. The, um, and I went over with like, here's how you use the Vexlar and how you rig up the fishing poles and that kind of stuff. And they, he said they just chatted and giggled and just kind of lived the good life again. And he said... He said, thank you, because it's the first time in months that we have been able to just have fun and just relax, and there was no friction. And that, that happens with high school kids. It happened to me, happened to you, everybody. Everybody has that kind of tough times with their parents, but this brought them together. Um, and that's what he told me, and I, and I said, yeah, well, you're welcome. And it was one of those things that you, you and I both know and everybody who's an outdoorsman, it's, it's not just catching a fish. Right. It's not just shooting a bird. There's so much more to it. Um, and this was one of those things that I didn't even think about was that dad-daughter time that, that they got that they maybe they have. wouldn't have. Yeah. yeah. So that yeah, was pretty cool. 
Nutrisource Pet Foods just launched a new product that can give our active hunting dogs a big boost when they need it most. It's called Kampucha. Nutrisource Kampucha, inspired, of course, by kombucha, is a savory, meaty bone broth topper that's packed with activated postbiotics from a fermentation product that thrives in the gut to promote a healthy gut ecosystem for digestion support. That's a mouthful. But what it means for us bird dog owners is that we now have a healthy topper to pour over our dog's food if they're ever stressed or won't eat while on a long hunting trip. Kampucha is offered in three flavors, turkey, beef, and chicken, and comes in a 12-ounce pouch. Nutrisource high-performance dog foods provide exceptional healthy nutrition for active dogs of every breed, just like my dog, Daisy. Now they have a topper that gives our four-legged hunters another edge when they need it the most. Check out their full lineup of dog foods at NutrisourcePetFoods.com. Aluma Trailers, they've got you covered. Their trailers are built by a hardworking team in Bancroft, Iowa. They have models for nearly any and every hauling need, from ATV and UTV trailers to utility, snowmobile, motorcycle, car trailers, and even fully enclosed trailers like mine. Trust me when I say Aluma trailers tow gear like a dream, and they are 100% maintenance-free. Plus, they come with an industry-best five-year warranty. Visit alumakln.com to find a trailer that fits your needs. For everything that gets you outdoors, Aluma Trailers will help you get there. I bet you could tell stories all day about, <laughs> about other parents, but yeah. that I think is also something to think about too, is when you get a kid involved, this is what I've learned, when you get a kid involved that's not in your house, in your family, and that kid shows interest, where is he going to go? Or she, yeah. where is she going to go? Mom, dad, I want to do this. Then, then they say, well, I want to do it too, or mm -hmm. I'll come help. And then they get to experience something that they maybe don't know much about. I've seen it firsthand with my kids and their friends. And then we do stuff together. And then the parent says, hey, do you got room? Can I come mm -hmm. with? And I always make as much room as I can, whether we're hunting or fishing, because then I, <clears throat> then I can teach them. And my hope is that they can help continue to teach their kids their kid but usually what happens is they keep calling me like what do I do next, do I do next? and that's yeah. okay too but eventually yeah. they're going to get to a point where hey maybe they're doing it on their own and that's so cool then all of a sudden it's hey I got a duck yeah what do I do now right yeah oh, I got a pheasant what do I do now mm -hmm. and then I like this last fall I was so pumped for it. I didn't even I was like oh my gosh here's a recipe try this one yeah. you know and then um you know like just the fun of living it through somebody else's life but and it's contagious. It is so contagious. Yeah. Like you start putting one kid into it and another kid wants along and then um and, and then the parents are along with that and it's like, you know, people are craving it. Mm -hmm. You've just gotta feed it to them. Yeah. You know? Oh, it's so cool. last week, you know, at the at the firearm safety when we were filming that story, there's three girls and they were just they were little shy about firing the twenty two. I mean, that's mm -hmm. part of it. You gotta pass, you know, all the different aspects walking through it. And they hit the target, they got bullseyes. Ooh. And they were just so excited. And they were doing selfies with their bullseyes. <laughs> you know, the guns are safely <laughs> put away. But just like legitimately excited. And like you said, it might be an athlete. It might be somebody who's not an athlete. And I've heard this from other trap leagues and yep. teams. You know, one of the fastest growing sports in schools in America is the trap team. Yep. And it, 
you could be the greatest, most gifted athlete, and you might not be the best shooter. And you might not be the most gifted athlete, but you might be the best shooter. And it evens a playing field, and it gives people another way to be a team mm-hmm. with their friends. And that's what you're creating here. I imagine you've got quite a few parent volunteers that come with. Oh, yes. And and again, it's that thing. It's it's not hard. You just you reach out, um, and, and they just come out of the woodwork because they see what a valuable thing it is. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and there's some that have just been dynamite over the years, um, that have helped us. The ones that have like kids that have been in the club for, you know, since they were little, you know, since they started ninth grade until they, when they were seniors. And I mean, we've had people that have stayed on as like our booster board treasurer was there. I think our kid graduated, and she stayed on as the treasurer for six, seven years afterwards wow. because I, she saw the value in it, and it was a big thing. Yeah. Uh, and her daughter was one of the first kids that went out with uh, Eric and Ben and I think Kyle um, to do that ditch cleanup and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty neat deal. Yeah, I mean, so. and sometimes you get into it and you realize what you're doing and the difference you're making. And, like, these, you know, 49 years of... In- Firearm safety, 58 years, 50. And I asked him, why do you keep doing it? Or did you ever expect you were going to continue going? And the one said, well, I I figured I would do it until my my kids were done. And then all of a sudden the next year comes around and it's like, somebody's got to take this. I'm going to do it. You know, and you think about all these volunteers, you know, the Mm -hmm. stories that I just told from just the last week of what I got to witness and, and just like get, get filled up from watching these people give their own time to other people. You're not being paid. You're not being paid. You're giving your time. And sure, it means you might not be investing in something else, but just think of the thousands of people that you're that you're having a difference for. Well, it, and it fills you up too. You know, that's yeah. the thing is, I, I'll, I'll tell people this over and over again. I, I've given a lot to this club, you know, but God, it, it's given me more, you yeah. know, way more back. Most volunteers will say that. I think they would, if they're being honest, they say they get back more. But if, let's say you're not doing this, who does it? If that those teachers aren't teaching those kids, who's going to do it? You know, and we can take those volunteers for granted. Last week, two weeks ago, you were at uh, Pheasants Forever chapter mm-hmm. outing, and you did a Habitat project. If you're not out there doing it, I mean, I know a lot of people, they pay the 35 bucks. Mm-hmm. They're a member. Yep. I'm a member of Pheasants Forever. Yeah. I paid my dues, 35 bucks. I went to the banquet. I ate the, I ate the dinner that came with it. <laughs> you know, I maybe won a gun or maybe donate a little bit. Yeah. That's great. Yep. It need, every banquet, every chapter needs that because that money can go back into the ground. But what a lot of members don't see <clears throat> or don't maybe think about, and maybe someday they will, is the people that put that event together. That, that, you know, lined everything up. And then the people that are out in the field, that local areas, and keeping the habitat in, in the best possible shape that it can be working, planting trees, planting grass, burning, all that kind of stuff. And it takes everybody, because if that person doesn't do it, if you don't do this, Wayne, who does? Yeah. I, you know, somebody, somebody has to do it. Some, if, if it, or it doesn't get done. That's the thing is, yeah. is, is you have to look at yourself and say, I am going to step up and do this, make this happen. And I, you know, honestly for myself, when I, this started, there was so much stuff in the news, at least the news that I read about licenses 
like hunting and fishing licenses dropping, the numbers dropping, the average age of a pheasant hunter and or a PF member at yeah. like 65 or something. Just uh, that's an exaggeration, but like really high so. on stuff. I and, don't think that's an exaggeration. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? Not on my watch. Yeah. Good for you. Good so, for you. So, so what are, what about the kids that, you know, 15 years ago left the class, you know, 10 <laughs> yeah. years ago, are well, they, they're hunting. I mean, yeah, they probably, they do they invite you on a hunt ever? <laughs> Not enough. <laughs> sure. you know, but I mean, I, I think all of us could say that, you yeah. know, you, you're never in the field enough. So, um, honestly, uh, uh, and I brought his name up a few times, Ben, when he was in college, I called him up and I said, Hey, you're up in North Dakota. Yeah. You know where the ducks are. I know you do. Yep. And so he uh, he took me, guided my myself, my dad, a buddy of uh, my dad's. Actually, um, my partner in crime, Mike Jensen, um, who helps out with this a lot. And, and then another teacher here. Um, we all, all of us went up there and Ben put us on birds like you wouldn't believe, you know. He's good at that. He is. <clears throat> Very good he, at that. To, I did hunt with North, in North Dakota with Ben before, yeah. too. Yeah. He needs to... He needs to Get figure out how to straighten my gun barrel out a little bit though. <laughs> He's a good shot. Yeah. He, oh my gosh. Yeah. It makes everyone right? else feel bad about themselves well, when you leave the field. It's I, like, I, dude, miss once in a while. It makes everyone else feel better. Well, I tell him he's got a he's he's a good shot, but not good enough because he hasn't timed his shot out at the same time I'm shooting. <laughs> sure. So that when I sure. miss, I can be like, oh, I, I didn't realize I was shooting at that bird. And it, it fell. <laughs> <At> that <one. laughs> so, uh, yeah. But there's kids like that. I got kids that are in uh, forestry now. We got kids that are. Um, um, down in gosh, where is it? Arkansas as like a um a uh, ranger, a park ranger. Um, there's kids that are camp managers and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Um, I you know maybe those kids were going to those things no matter what. But if nothing else, they've had a little more experience sure. heading that way, and it makes them a little bit better at their job. Um, and maybe it it turned them on to it. You mm -hmm. you never know. Right, but. Either way, it's it's been a good experience for him. So yeah, you just you're just one at a time, one uh -huh. at a time. You know, yeah. you're just planting those seeds and we'll see where yeah. they go. You never know, but you're certainly helping the cause of the greater good. Yeah. You know, I mean, you look at the fact that there's wildlife on school ground right now yeah. that didn't exist before you started. Yeah. Thousands of kids have gone out and experienced hunting, fishing, camping, outdoor habitat, just understanding what habitat actually means. Yeah. is not is not a given in this world. It's not. If they don't know that you need this habitat for these birds, these animals, these creatures to live, how would I mean like it's the hands-on experience, a walk out in the prairie that some people don't have that you're introducing them to. So mm -hmm. just doing that. And I know that you've said other people then have seen what you've done and reached out. So they want to do this at their school. Is that correct? Like, yeah. what, how do they do it? Where do you go from here? Well, again, start small. Pick something that, that one you like, like, and, and then. You have see. to probably go to the school district oh, first. Oh, sure, sure. Yep, yep, yep. If, if I, again, I, I live in the school. I'm yeah, a yeah, teacher. Yeah. And so I'm, it's I'm hard to. I'm just a parent. So yeah, yeah, I want no. this and I want my yeah, kids to go. Reach what out. Do I do? Uh, honestly, like most schools will have like a community ed. Mm -hmm. um, and you can offer classes through that community education department of the school. And um, we have a whole bunch of parents that do that kind of stuff. Um, they'll offer little fishing experiences or um, I don't know, like all kinds of little outdoorsy experiences and stuff. And that's a great window to get in or door to get into the school system mm -hmm. um, and just be like, hey, I want to offer 
this kind of like outdoor activity or reach out to the the school principal or um, like even the I honestly, the school secretaries know more than the principals for the most part. <laughs> I believe um, that. And it's talk them up and, yeah. and find out, hey, who's the who's the teacher here that's kind of an outdoorsy person? Could you put me in contact with that person and see if, if I could um, work out like a pheasant hunt or something like that or work out an ice fishing outing or – take kids on a nature walk or something like that. Um, the other one too is, is obviously Pheasants Forever, such an amazing organization. Um, that was when we started this, one of the first things that I went to was a neighboring district, Watertown, was putting on a pheasant hunt. And I went and watched them um, and s- to see how another they school? did it. Another school, yeah, yeah. a na- neighboring school district, to watch and see how they did it. And then that's, then I just kind of modeled after them. And so Pheasants Forever has these youth hunts that are happening mm-hmm. all over the state, all over the country. Jump in, jump in on, on one of those things and just be like, hey, I, I maybe, maybe you've got a dog, maybe you don't. Mm-hmm. Maybe you've been pheasant hunting before, maybe you haven't. Go, go see how they run an event like that and they run well. Um, and then maybe model your event after that and then go from there. But start sure. small. Start well, small. And, and on that, it, maybe it doesn't, you know, a lot of the pressure that I think some people put on themselves is like, I got to wait for like the best opportunity to introduce a kid to a hunt or a fish or whatever it might be that they want to do. But if you wait on those opportunities to be perfect, you miss way too much. You know, like my first pheasant hunt couldn't have been worse. <laughs> it could not have gone worse. Yeah. The dog ran as far away from us as possible. When I was, this was not my dog. <laughs> She's done that too, but uh, it's okay. You it, can admit it. That's yeah, all right. well, I talk about my failures <laughs> on this show all the time. Uh-huh. But this one, I was invited by a friend to come out pheasant hunting, and we we drop the dog down, and the dog takes off running and and chases every bird away on public ground. And they were probably not even roosters. It was hens. You know, it was just it wasn't a great property. It was just you know we had the chance. You know, and that's all it was, was we had a chance. And I clearly enjoyed that chance, even though we didn't get one that day or come relatively close to getting one. We still had the chance and I had that instinctive drive to want to try it again. So that's why I tell people all the time, don't wait. Don't waste for like that perfect, great, lush property where every kid's going to have 10 shots. No, who cares if they don't get a shot? That could be even more beneficial. You don't know. But what you do know is if you don't take them, they have zero chance. Exactly. It, you nailed it right on the head. Just get them out there. Yeah. It doesn't have to be perfect. What is perfect is that they're in the field. They're yeah. outside. That's perfect. Like, I don't know. The the prairies that the good Lord put out there are way better than we could ever like mm-hmm. do ourselves. And so you just, just get them outside. It doesn't matter what it is you're doing. Uh, do some prep work. Try. Try. You know, you got to yeah. try and prep it all. But yep. I mean, some of the... Some of the best stories that I've had are just things that happened that I didn't intend at all. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, you just are out in the field and, oh, well, that happened. That's kind of neat. Well, so. you could have, the story you told about the girls jumping around, not fishing. Yeah. You yeah. know, let's say you come in there and you'd be like, hey, knock it off. It's time to fish. We're here to fish, not jump around. Mm-hmm. If you would have gone in with that attitude... It might have changed it to the point where they've been like, I don't really ever want to go fishing again. Like they were having fun. You let yeah. them have fun. Okay. What are what are some mistakes that you've maybe made that you regret in all of the the days of field? Oh, um, well, 
I think one of the most important things is that you, you know why you're doing this. It's that you're taking kids out and the goal is, is not for them to have this as their only experience ever doing it. Maybe it is, but you want to make sure that the goal is, is for them to have fun, to learn a little bit. And so that they feel like they can do it again. Um, I do regret, I've had some parents come along on pheasant hunts and they've been hard on their kids, um, and not correcting those parents. Um, that was so that's gonna be pretty tough. It, it, well, and, and now I will. Um, but that was early on in my career. Um, and that's a hard thing. Yeah. yeah. As a, like a, a peer, it's easier to correct a kid, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're the adult, you're the authority figure, that kind of stuff. But as a peer, and it's not, you don't want to call somebody out in front of everybody else. Yeah. But if you see something like not, not being done right, it's important that you kind of go over to like that volunteer or that parent and be like, Hey, I just, it's okay to have your kid miss. It's okay if they didn't pull up on that bird or something like that. They're, they're all just having a good time. Mm-hmm. Let them, let Maybe them have ask, a good time. Let them have fun. why, you know, if there's yeah. a moment, you know, can just, it's a, everything should be a learning tool. I, I'm hard on myself when mm-hmm. I take my kids because I'm like, I just put the pressure of my, uh, all the way it is on my shoulders yeah. that I'm going to mess this up and I don't want to. And I'm just, I <clears throat> probably miss those opportunities to dance. Yeah. Truthfully, if I'm being honest, I yeah. probably miss those opportunities to just dance yeah. and I don't want to miss it. I feel like, I feel like it's easier to teach other kids than it is to teach my own. Yeah. And you know, when, when I teach women, like we'll go out and shoot my, we'll do, you know, some buddies and they'll bring their wives. My wife loves to shoot shotgun and we shoot trap. And, um, like I teach the, my, my friend's wives and they're, I think they think it's easier for me. It's easier because, you know, like I, I don't have any, there's nothing prior coming into it, mm. you know, that I know about them or mm-hmm. anything, any other frustrations. We're just loose and just say, okay, here's what we do. And we just walk through it, you know, and we laugh and you yeah. know, it's okay to miss and that's fine. Um, but do you think it's easier? I mean, you've got kids too and look at all the kids you've influenced, but yeah. how about when you well, do it on your own? Yeah. So for my daughter, it's kind of a similar thing that, uh, um, back to that kid that was like in that little pack of friends that mm-hmm. was was dancing in their little fish house that I think that must've been a ninth grader or something. That kid has a one or both two or three of them came up to the boundary waters with me later, junior, senior year. I think it was their senior year. So, so it worked, you Mm -hmm. know, and maybe again, was it what I did? Was it what their parents did? Who knows? But so for my daughter, um, like we'll sit in the deer stand and everybody has their own way. I'm, this is what I do. It's okay. If it's different, like, it needs to be successful for you and for your kids and everyone's different, but we'll sit in the deer stand. I got an enclosed stand and, um, put a heater in there and get a bunch of candy bars. And, you know, she's been coming to the deer stand with me since she could walk. Um, we're not quiet. (laughs) 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 So she's a, she's an eighth grader now. So was that 14? So she's been coming out for 10 years or so. She's still coming. She's still coming. Um, we've only seen a handful of deer, <laughs> but it's fun. I tell it's, it's what I look forward to. She looks forward to it she too. She does she'll, look forward to it. Oh yeah. She'll get up at whatever, four in the morning. Uh, again, this is a teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, and she'll come out there and we'll hang out and she doesn't complain cause she's cold or, you know, I think probably one of the, uh, 
this was maybe when she's eight, 10 years old, I brought a buck grunt out there Mm -hmm. and, uh, and she's like, what's that? And I said, well, it's, it's, it's to bring the deer in. And she's, she's like, can I try it? And I was like, yeah, sure. And she starts blowing on it like it's a duck call. It's, <laughs> Every it's deer just, ran. Yeah, if, if there was a deer in a, within a mile of us, it was yeah. gone. You know. Oh, and so, but then we'll get out of the stand and we'll go down and there's a little creek out in front of us and we'll go wander around in the creek and we'll look for like tracks and stuff and look for deer signs and things like that. Um, and a couple of years ago, um, she was like, she was like, if if you see one, make sure you shoot it. And I said, well, we're gonna have to be quiet. Um, and we didn't see one that day. Um, and then last year, the last year season, she's like, she's like, well, if I see one, I'm going to shoot it this year. And so we didn't, we saw some, but they were, they were too far out. Um, so we didn't, she was ready for it, but yeah, she's ready for it. So she was, she she was, you're letting her move at her pace. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, and everybody's pace is different. You know, I mean, your kid's. I see them out and they're, they're better hunters than I am. <laughs> but, but they're more successful and that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, and I don't so, know. Uh, you know, everybody's got a different pace and everybody's got a different method, but the key is, is, is you want them to come back. Yeah. Whatever you're doing, make sure that, make sure you take a look at that kid and be like, is this going well for them? Yeah. And if it yeah. is, then keep doing what you're doing. And if it's not, don't, it's okay. We all screw up. Mm. Just Figure take, out a little different way back. to do it. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and on that note, I'm in a similar situation. So my oldest, he's all jacked up to go. And, you know, he's opening day the last two years. He's taken a turkey. Little brother's been there both times. And um, I told this story a couple weeks ago. And his younger brother, Cash, he had uh, experience shooting the 20-gauge. Didn't hold it tight up against uh, his arm. Yeah. And so it heard him when he shot and it left that in his mind. And I was just like, Oh no. So I'm trying to just let him at his own pace. Well, you know, a buddy of mine from town here, Theo Stog heard it, the story. And he goes, I've got a youth model 410 that'll fit him. And if you want, you can use it. So I've got that at home. He was so excited when I told him I got a shotgun you can hunt with that won't hurt your arm. But now every time I've asked him to go, we're still, he's still thinking about it, still thinking about it. And we still have weeks, a couple weeks mm-hmm. left in our turkey season here, and there's a chance he may go, and there's a chance this season passes and he, he chooses not to shoot that 410. Um, the excitement was there. I'm trying to just let him go at his pace, I think is what I'm getting at mm-hmm. here. And we'll see what happens with it. But he was out there in the blind, yeah. and there's, you know, the opportunities I keep giving him. I do know this. My little four-year-old girl is excited for her daddy-daughter turkey hunt. Oh. That's coming up in the next couple of days here. So yeah. if uh, if you live anywhere in the Midwest, you know how awful it's been the last couple of weeks. Holy cow. You know, weather-wise and, and snow and wind. I I don't remember this much wind in a long time, but I think uh, there's there's sunny days on the horizon, and I'm looking forward to getting my little daughter out there, even if it's for 10 minutes. Yeah. And maybe we'll hear a gobble, and maybe we won't. Maybe we'll get one. Who knows? But either way, I can't wait to get her out there. And I'm hopeful that you are still teaching this class when my kids get to this point. Do you have a plan? Oh, yeah. No. Well, I... <laughs> maybe I'm jumping to the wrong thing. I target kids, for sure. Like, I mean, there's... Um, there's kids and families that I know that mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, that, that family's coming up that, that I'm super excited for that family to come through. Yeah. Um, so we had a conservation officer where, um, where her kids and, and he's 
were coming through and stuff. And I was like, this is, I know those kids, those, those kids are going to be great as they come through. Um, yours are on my list. They're ringers. Oh yeah. No, they're ringers for sure. So yeah, no, I, no, it's a great job. It is. I mean, teaching can be exhausting, but so can walking in the pheasant field. And at the end of the day, you're tired, but you're like, that was, that was awesome. Mm-hmm. But I'm tired. Well, that's teaching. Like that's that. It's awesome. But yeah. sometimes it wears you down a little bit. But, but that's but, but it's reward, still awesome. Yeah. Reward. Thousands yeah. of kids have experienced so, the outdoors thanks yeah. to your creative mind and your desire. Um, I think maybe we just pretend raise. You know, you you got me this. What is this, by the way? <laughs> well, it's a I've Sierra never... cup. Come, on, I I hope your audience knows what a Sierra cup is here. It's. I mean, we got a tin it's cup. A tin cup. It looks like a ladle uh, <laughs> with a bowl. But anyway, this what, is my camping cup here yeah, that I'm drinking. What do we right say? Now. It's the it's the spork of cups or something the spork like that. Of cups. <laughs> it's a bowl. Anyway, of... I raise this as a as a toast. So, cheers to volunteers. Oh well, right back at you. You do a lot for this uh, the hunting and. Outdoor community. Channels. I don't think I do as much as you do. Oh. I I really don't. But I appreciate what you do, and I appreciate the work that so many volunteers do around all over the country. Because if you don't do it, who will? Think about that. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Flush Podcast. Mm-hmm.